This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. See, God's made himself known, hasn't he, in people's lives. And yet people, generally, for the most part, I would say the majority of people, refuse to acknowledge him. Some may give him verbal acknowledgement, but not real and true heart acknowledgement, to the point of becoming devoted through repentance. And then that serving humanity through a heart of love because of the changed lives within them. God loves us. It's His desire that we would all recognize our sin and turn to Him. That's why He sent His Son. Jesus came so that we would have a way to be cleansed of our sin. He bled and died so that we could be forgiven and restored into a right relationship with our Creator. But we have a choice in the matter. We can choose to accept Jesus, admit our sin and turn and follow Him, or we can reject God, reject His Son, and reject His Word. Doing so will lead to eternal separation from Him. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 18, for the conclusion of our message entitled, The Revealing. And neither can you have real and true repentance in your life unless there is devotion to God. You see, they come hand in hand. I can say, well, I I turn over a new leaf. I'm sorry for what I've done. But real and true repentance means that I turn from my sin and I'm turning toward God. That means that changes need to take place in my life because the Holy Spirit is working and moving in my life. And real repentance cannot take place until there is true devotion. And true devotion cannot take place until there is real repentance in our lives. And that's in that vertical relationship. But also in the horizontal, we deal with love and service. We might go out and we might serve our fellow human beings in a multitude of ways. We might do all kinds of good works and think that that's going to be enough. But you know what? Unless there is real and true love in our life for those that are around us, that service becomes what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says it becomes like a clanging cymbal. It's just noise. And it's not going to do any good. I cannot say that I'm serving really and truly my brother if I don't have a love for him. And neither can I say that I have a real and true love for my brother if I'm not serving him. You see, they go together. We have to have both in our lives. So we see that in this whole area of ungodliness and unrighteousness toward man, that God is dealing with it. But one other area that he brings out here is this whole idea that those who uh, are ungodly and who work in unrighteousness, they are the ones who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Suppressing the truth. It's interesting, this whole idea of suppressing the truth. Some of your versions might say holding the truth. Neither one of those really give a full understanding of of what the word means when he says suppressing the truth in unrighteousness or even holding the truth in unrighteousness. There's a gentleman by the name of R.T. Robertson who is a a Bible scholar and and a translator. And he brings it out this way, that truth is out in the open, but wicked men, so to speak, put it in a box and 
sit on the lid and hold it down in unrighteousness. In other words, God's truth is revealed, and we're going to look at that in a moment. God's truth is revealed all around us. But unrighteous, godless men take that truth literally and put it in a box, close the lid, sit on the lid, and hold it down. I'm not going to let the truth out because I'm going to declare my lies. I'm going to declare my untruth. The visual to me is literally that there's a box that the truth is sitting on, and those who do not follow God sit on it, and they're not going to allow anyone to gain that truth. They're going to do everything they can to keep the truth from getting out. The reality is, is at the end of days, God will take those goats and separate them from his sheep, and the judgment of eternity will come upon him, the very wrath of God being poured out. It's interesting also in both of these and that whole idea of suppressing the truth. In verse 18 and also in verse 25, which we're not going to get to today, we read this idea, well, in verse 18 it says that they are suppressing the truth. But over in verse 25 it says that they exchange the truth. And what do they exchange the truth for? They exchange the truth of God for the lie. I have the truth, but I've got it in this box and I'm sitting on the box and let me tell you the lies. And I want to grab the lies rather than the truth. I want to believe lies rather than the truth. Because you see, I don't have to be responsible. I don't have to answer to the lies that I create. But if the truth is revealed, then I do need to answer them. When you look back at the whole idea of what revealing is, is to take off the cover then you understand how this idea of suppressing the truth, putting it in a box and putting the lid on it, falls together. They have suppressed the truth by putting it in a box, putting a lid on it and sitting it. But God is going to reveal the truth. He's going to take the lid off the cover and he's going to reveal the truth to us. Verse 19 speaks to us when he says that he will manifest in them or that this truth because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Both manifest in them as well as shown it to them. This very word manifest is a word that they use in the whole idea of, of shipping or uh, the ships of old would carry a manifest. And on that manifest, it would declare all who is on the ship, all that the ship is carrying, the destination, the port that it left. It would declare everything about that. And when it says that because of what may be known of God is manifest in them, it speaks of the reality that when we are born, God brings within our lives the reality of who He is. And yet because of our sin nature, we continue to reject that and we begin believing the lie rather than the truth. But yet God has also not only manifested within man, but he's also shown to man in a multiple of ways. I think about it this way. If I were to get on the freeway out here and I'm driving from Casa Grande to Phoenix and I just get on the freeway, I don't necessarily see a speed limit sign right away. And so I'm just cruising along, not really paying attention to my speed, not really paying attention to a whole lot. I'm just kind of a point A to point B kind of guy. I want to get there. 
not really paying attention to my speed. I'm driving. And suddenly I look behind me. And it's Christmas. There's lights going everywhere. So I realized, nope, that's not Santa Claus. I pull over. And the officer comes out. And he's a very nice guy, very gentleman sort. In fact, he wants to get to know me a little bit better. And so he, he asks for my ID. And uh, I give it to him. And again, very gracious and very kind. He says, Mr. Landry, do you realize how fast you were going? And I have to be honest with him and say, no, I don't. I'm just kind of a point A to point B kind of guy. I really wasn't paying much attention to the speed. He says, well, sir, you were going about 82 miles an hour. And the posted speed limit is less than that. I tell you what, Mr. Landry, since you weren't really aware of what was going on, I want to make manifest to you, I want to declare to you what the speed limit is. And I'm just going to give you a warning at this point in time. And I say, oh, thank you, sir. You have a wonderful day. May you and your family and your children be blessed. And uh, so I get back on the freeway and I'm cruising along. Not really caring about a whole lot. Just knowing, hey, I got off on that one. And I'm cruising along, and then suddenly there goes flying by me this big old huge sign that says 75 miles per hour. I think, hmm, where have I heard that before? But I pay no heed to the sign. It's been manifest to me as the officer pulled me over and declared to me the truth of what the speed was. And now it's been shown to me by the sign. And in a moment, it's Christmas behind me again. And this time, as the officer pulls me over, he's not nearly as gracious. And he comes up to me and says, Mr. Landry, did I not explain to you back ten miles ago that the speed limit was 75? I can't deny the truth. Yes, you did. And didn't I show you what the speed limit sign was? Didn't the state provide for you this beautiful sign that said 75 miles per hour? I can't deny it at that point. It's not only been manifest to me in grace, but now the law comes and declares to me 75 miles an hour, and you've broken the law. Every bit of judgment that the law has I'm now due because of the guilt, because God manifested to me and then it was shown to me. And in the same way, God has manifested himself, declared himself to all of humanity, even from the point of our birth, because we can go to societies and cultures far, far from our Western culture to the deepest and darkest, most backward of places. And yet within that culture, they have a knowledge or an understanding that there is some being. We don't know who he is. We may have a different name for him. But there is someone who is greater than we are. Perhaps we burn sacrifices to him. Perhaps we say prayers or do ceremonies to him. But it's interesting that in every culture of man throughout every generation, the reality that there is a supreme being is known to mankind. And yet, time after time after time, we suppress the knowledge of the truth. We put it in a box. We put the lid on it. And we sit on it. And would rather believe the lie than the truth 
Because you know what? I don't have to answer to it. I don't have to answer to the lie. God has manifested himself in a multiple of ways to us. He's manifested himself to us in the very wonder of life. When you think of, as we hear a baby cry or we see a little baby and we see the just the wonder of human life. How these small little cells began to come together and then divide apart and begin in such a small little way until suddenly there's a child that's ready to be born. And when that child is born, the uniqueness of that child compared to all the other millions, say even billions of other people on the earth, that one child is unique among them all. That's not happen chance. That's not just a routine way. That's by design. We can look at our hands. And each one of our fingerprints, not all are they different than the other hand, but you know what? My fingerprints are different than yours. My fingerprints are different than yours. As a matter of fact, my fingerprints are different than the nearly 4 billion people in the world. It's unique unto me. By happenstance, by random putting together, the odds of that are miraculous. And I've got ten choices here just within this group of saying, okay, within these ten, how many of your ten may even come close to match? No, it's unique unto me. The irises of our eyes are so intricately different. Even more so, they say, and easier to detect than a fingerprint that they use that now in high security, that they'll read the iris of your eye because even both of my eyes are different and they're different than all the eyes of the world. Not only of the ones who are present now, but the ones who ever were. Now, folks, that is astounding. God has manifested the reality of his creative power by that. The DNA that makes you who you are. It builds up who your person is, your height, your color, your physical features. Not only that, but your personality, your mental thought, all of that. Your DNA is so specific only to you that investigators can go back to crime scenes 20, 30 years ago. And if they can get any shred of DNA evidence, they can bring it now 20, 30 years later. And match it up to one single individual. Random happenstance. Survival of the fittest. No, I think I'd be a fool if I would say that, oh, that just kind of happens that way. Just by the sheer numbers, there would have to be repeats in there someplace. But yet there's not. He manifests himself in the wonder of life. But not only the wonder of physical life of humans... He also manifests himself in the beauty of all of creation. We can look at the world around us, and really and truly, the world is a beautiful place. Now, I guarantee you that there are some places in the world that aren't so beautiful. They're a little barren, and they're a little rugged, but yet, even within that, there's a particular beauty that's there. Not every place is the Grand Tetons. There are Casagrands in the world. <laughs> and about the time you think Casagrand is tough, you go to Blythe, and you think, wow, Casa Grande is beautiful. 
about the time you think Blythe is tough, you go to a place like Death Valley or some of the really, really barren places on the earth. That, but even the beauty and the balance of all of nature, how nature itself, what we call nature, balances itself when we don't mess it up. It's absolutely amazing to me, even the very function of, of water, the evaporative process of water that evaporates into the sky gives us the clouds, and suddenly, a few days later, it rains in the mountains. The water that comes and nourishes the earth flows into streams, into rivers, back down either into lakes or to oceans, only to, again, evaporate again and go on and on again. And how God has designed and purposed that to continually replenish the earth with that nourishment that's needed. Again, I look at the majesty of God in all of that, and how in all of his creation, he continues this cycle going on. And can we mess it up? Absolutely we can. And I think that we need to change our minds in a lot of ways. We are, have not been good stewards of what God has given us. And we need to be, as a people, for as long as the Lord has us to be here, to be good stewards of what he has for us. Because when we allow it, God's design and purpose in creation will heal and mend itself. It's amazing. Just like you and I, if we get a scratch on our arm, it's amazing how we will heal ourselves. If we're left, you know, if we don't picking at the scab, we will heal ourselves. But there's another way, and that's the magnificence of the cosmos. Out beyond here, we look at the extreme expanse, not just that you and I can see, and we're amazed at the beauty that God has presented before us, but then we take something like the Hubble telescope, and we shoot it off into outer space, and we give it this huge telescope that shoots even further into outer space, and it gets these images, and we think the greater, the wider the expanse, the greater and the wider the majesty of our God is. God has revealed himself. He says in verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be wise. Some of you have heard the name of Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins is probably one of the most preeminent atheists in the world today. Not only is he an atheist, but he is absolutely antagonistic against anything of God. Anything of God, not just Christianity, but anything of God. And it's interesting when we see this one who professes to be so wise, and yet he will not even accept a God possibility. Not even to the point of saying, well, there may be a God, I just simply don't believe in it. He says, no, there is no God. And to speak with him or to have people interview him, he is so adamant about that that he will absolutely get beside himself when some people suggest, well, maybe, do you think, just possibility on the outside edge, that there may be a God? 
No, he's very adamant against it. As a matter of fact, those of you who have seen the movie Expelled, you saw the interview that Ben Stein had with him. And the frustration that he had whenever Ben Stein would continue to speak about the possibilities of God. Then how in the world did we get here? And this one who is so wise and so intelligent would say, well, perhaps it was just alien life form that spawned earth here. Alien life form. You won't accept God, but you will accept alien life form. The next question is, well, Mr. Dawkins, where did the alien life form come from? Where did that begin? And who began that? Professing to be wise. Dawkins says that the fact that life evolved out of nearly nothing some 10 billion years after the universe evolved out of literally nothing is a fact so staggering that I would be mad to attempt words to do it justice. I agree. He also says that the essence of life is statistical improbability on a colossal scale. The essence of life is statistical improbability on a colossal scale. I absolutely agree with you. It's impossible to imagine that life could just happen. Something had to start it. And yet he continues to profess to be wise. And yet in his wisdom, he's become a fool. Professing to be wise, he's become a fool because he refuses to acknowledge the reality and the truth that there is a God. And the Bible says that because that is true, because those who profess to be wise have become fools. He goes on and says, And they've changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. God's Word says that because they've refused to see those things, because they've refused to accept those things, that they are without excuse, as verse 20 declares. They're without excuse. See, God's made Himself known, hasn't He, in people's lives. And yet people, generally, for the most part, and I would say the majority of people, Refuse to acknowledge him. Some may give him verbal acknowledgement, but not real and true heart acknowledgement. To the point of becoming devoted through repentance. And then that serving humanity through a heart of love because of the changed lives within them. God has revealed himself plenty. And man is without excuse. You may be here this morning and you may know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And as I've read these things and we've spoken about these things, you're saying, yes, right on. And hopefully I've encouraged you in the truth that you do believe because there is plenty of discouragement against the truth. And you know, not only Dawkins, but a multitude of others are teaching your children in school today. Not only in the universities, but in the high schools and in the grade schools, and even on down to kindergarten. It's the, quote-unquote, truth that's being revealed to your children while they're actually sitting on the true truth in a box with the lid closed and rather believing the lie. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not accepted that truth, I want to encourage you that this morning is a 
perfect time to come to that point of repentance and of devotion to Him. Because there will come a time that you will stand before God and God will be revealed to you in such a clear way that there will be no mistake. And you'll either be able to hear the words come into your Father's rest or the words of depart from me because I never knew you. The choice is yours as the revelation of God has made it so clear for you. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from Pastor David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard The Open Word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you.